This is HPR episode 1734 entitled Vim Hints 3 and is part of the series Vim Hints. It is hosted by Dave Morris's and is about 26 minutes long. The summary is Hints and Tips for Vim Users Part 3. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everyone, this is Dave Morris and today I've got Vim Hint number three and uh, this being the third show in a series um, we can now create a, a series on HPR for it. Now in this episode I want to look at moving around in the file that you're editing. I also want to add a few more things to the configuration file that we started constructing in the last episode. And moving around is one of the very powerful things you can do in Vim, and we'll see in future shows how you can link this with uh, with other actions. Some of the, the basic things you can do to move around, we've already seen to some extent. Um, all of these movements are done in normal mode, that is the, the mode you're in when you first start up Vim. You've got the L, K, J and H keys that we looked at before. These are the the, the mid-row of your keyboard. L means go right. Unfortunately, it always confuses me. J and K are down and up, and H is move left. Somebody said, remember the, the sequence by thinking of the J as a downward-pointing arrow, and that should anchor the group. I don't know if you would find that useful. I find it slightly useful. It helps me. I, do, I tend to use the cursor keys myself. And of course the cursor keys are the are the alternative to these movements. But today we've also got a few more that we're adding to this group. And that is, uh, the first one is the dollar key. If you press the dollar key it moves your cursor to the end of the line. And that's the, the end meaning the last character on the line. So some editors, at least in the midst of time, would assume that your line was 80 characters long and would position you to the 80th character. But if you're, if the line in, in your editor is only 10 characters long, then there is no 80th column, So as far as Vim's concerned. So it would position you to the 10th character. The, the alternative to the dollar key is the end key, in the, the one in the keypad with the home, page up, page down, insert, delete. So the next one is to move to the start of the line, that is... Uh, character 1 and that's the 0 key and the alternative to that is the home key. Now sometimes you might want to move, there might be some spaces at the start of your line, you might want to move to the first non-space character or indeed non-tab character if that uh, that's the case. 
and um, the up arrow or circumflex will do that. I call it up arrow, I suppose it's not really that at all, but it's, it's an ingrained habit. People used to refer to it that way back in the day. The minus and plus keys are the last two in this group. Minus key moves up one line and positions the cursor on the first non-blank character. The plus key moves down one line. So it's, you can think of them as decrementing and incrementing the line number. It moves down to the first non-blank character. Now, in the notes I've uh, pointed out that when you're writing these things down, you can refer to them as sort of meta symbols, the characters I'm talking about, and this is what's done in the Vim documentation. So a less than sign, a U and a P, capital U, P, a greater than sign means the up key, the cursor up key. So there's a lot of them that are, that are documented in this way. The only real reason that I'm mentioning them is because that's what I'm using now, from now on, in my notes, and also it's what the the documentation, the Vim documentation uses, and it will be of relevance when you come to build up your own key sequences, which you can, Vim is very, very, very configurable, and you can build your own um, key sequences to do a manner of things. The only other thing to say about this really is that if if you want to talk about these keys in conjunction with shift or control that is hold the shift key down and press this key or hold the control key down and press it then uh, you put an s for shift inside these angle brackets as i call them uh, or a c for control okay don't want to spend too long on that it's not that important it's really a documentation thing rather than a podcast thing so these Movements don't seem to be very exciting. Many other editors will let you move up, down, left, right, etc. But Vim has got the added feature that you can put a number on the front of each of the commands. So if you typed 10L, then it that what that means is do the L command 10 times, which means move 10 characters to the right. You could also type in one zero and then press the, the the right arrow key, the right cursor control key, and that would do the same thing. And the same goes for all of the other characters we looked at: ten H, ten left key, ten K, or ten followed by the up cursor key. The only ones in the group we've looked at that don't take account are the zero or the home uh, command because it doesn't make a lot of sense to go to the start of the line multiple times, I guess, and uh, the circumflex, similarly, similar argument. So these things are, are nice. You can whiz around um, lines and between lines and this sort of thing pretty easily in Vim. And we'll look at, in future shows, lots of other things that let you move around according to l many other features of your file. We're going to start on some of these, I suppose you could call them sort of object movements. You're moving in relation to certain objects within the, within the file. Uh, we'll, we'll look at word-related movements. Now, there are a group of 
of commands in Vim which let you move the cursor in relation to words in the text. But then we reach a slight difficulty, difficulty in terms of description, really. I think if you uh, read the show notes, you'll find that this is pretty clear, but it's not an easy thing to talk about in a podcast because we need to define what a word is. And there are in Vim, there are two definitions, and uh, it refers to them in the documentation as lowercase word, W-R-R-D, and uppercase word. They mean two different things. Now, how on earth can I, <laughs> without saying uppercase, lowercase all the time, uh, it gets a little confusing. It's not easy to, to talk about. So what I'm going to do is just talk about them as word objects. And what I think I need to do is to try and describe why Vim is seeing these two different things. Now, I've put the definition from the Vim documentation into the notes to try and clarify this. But really, in essence, if you're moving by the lowercase form of the of word, the, the, the simple word object, then you're moving in a way that you would expect to move. So if you have, say, um, a word which is enclosed in quotes, then and your cursor is on the first quote, and you want to move to a word, well, the word is that thing that's inside the quotes. And then if you move again, the word is the closing quote. So it's stopping at everything which is which can be defined as a word or a word boundary. But if you're looking at the other word object, the one that's written down as an uppercase uh, word, then it would skip right over the punctuation. And the the criterion for start and end of a word is um, whether they're separated by white space, white space being that generic term that means space, tab, end of line. So the, the ones in lowercase... The, the reason these, these two definitions are in upper and lower case, because the, the commands are in upper and lower case. We'll come on to them in a, in a moment. And um, the lowercase ones move in relation to what you'd expect to happen in terms of um, moving from one element of um, the text, delimited element of the text, to the next. Whereas the, the uppercase thing is uh, moves in relation to the boundaries between white space. All right. I think I've just proved that it is hard to explain this. So the the commands that we we we're, we're going to look at here are w e and b. Now w just talk about the lowercase one at the moment. It moves forward to the start of a word. Lowercase e moves forward to the end of a word. Lowercase b moves backwards to the start of a word. So you see, you can jump around a line pretty effectively just using lowercase versions of W, E, and B. I think you need to experiment with these things yourself to see how how they work. It's really quite difficult to explain them. If you use the uppercase version, uppercase W, uppercase E, and uppercase B, they do the same general things, it's just that they stop on different boundaries. I do have an example in the notes where I took a a line out of uh, my log file. I I just plugged in my MP3 player, came up on dev sdh, and I got an error message in the log file, which talks about the fact that the 
the MP3 player is a fat file system and it's moaning about aspects of this. I used it because it had hyphens and brackets and colon and comma and stuff in it and I thought it would be a useful thing to demonstrate commands and movements on. I made a, a little diagram of where the cursor would be after certain movements and I used the circumflex to, to point up to the the line uh, in question. I, I don't know how useful that is. I find it a little difficult to read because the circumflex is not a very obvious character. Maybe I need better glasses, I don't know. But I also wrote it out in text as, as, as clearly as I could. I'm not going to read this because I don't think it's a it's a fantastically useful thing to read out on a podcast. So um, the thing I haven't said is that, of course, all of these movement commands can be preceded by a numeric count. So 5W means go five words forward, and um, 5B means go five backwards, and so on. In my examples use counts. And, of course, the other, the other factor that I haven't mentioned, is that all, uh, the, dub, the two, two forms of W and the two forms of B both have counterparts using the cursor keys. So shift-right is the same as lower-case W. Control-right is the same as uppercase W. Shift-left is the same as lower-case B. And control-left is the same as uppercase B. The E's don't have anything in the way of cursor controls. So... I guess that's yeah. It's it's personally I tend not to use the cursor keys for these types of movements. I would be using the W, E, and B, and uh, I'd have abandoned the the cursor keys. So really, I should teach myself to use the H, J, K business, um, as I think I've said before. Okay, that's that's all I'm going to say about movement today. Um, I hope it's pretty clear both the way I've expressed it and also the the notes any feedback on this I'd appreciate because this is I know a a difficult area since we're using audio only here and I plan only to use audio now we're going to move on to looking at the configuration file so in the last episode I told you uh, about the commands set compatible set backup set undo dir to point to a directory and set undo file switch on the, the the persistent undo feature. Today we're going to look at a few more things and the first one is adding a ruler. A ruler is a is a dis- display at the bottom of the screen that gives you information about stuff and you enable it with the command in your config file set space ruler that's set space r-u-l-e-r and this causes the line and column number of the cursor position to be shown at the bottom right of the screen. The two numbers are separated by commas. And if there's enough room, then the relative position, the cursor in the in the text, is not so much the cursor, actually, the displayed text, because you, you, you've got a, a view into a larger thing through a window, effectively. Uh, and that's shown. So... If um, your the file you're looking at is positioned so that the top of the file is visible, then the word top is appears in the ruler. 
if it's positioned so that the last line is visible, then BOT, bottom, is, vis is written in the, the ruler. And if you can see both the top and the bottom, because it's just a small file, then all, A double L, is, is in the ruler. And if you've got a much bigger file and you're somewhere else in it, then a percentage uh, number will be put to the, uh, to the right of the ruler. Now, the set ruler command can be abbreviated to SE space RU. I think I would discourage you from doing that unless you really want to, because you're going to get very confused by all these abbreviations if you're not careful. Uh, I certainly am, so uh, you might be cleverer than me, but I don't know. I prefer to use the full form anyway. You can switch the ruler off if for some reason you, you want to to disable that, um, then set no ruler will uh, switch it off. There's not much point in having that in your config file. So remember these are commands, so you can, in normal mode, you can press the colon key and then type the command. So colon set space no ruler will switch off the ruler temporarily. So sorry about the noises off. I'm sitting in my kitchen with the door open and uh, you can hear the ambient sound outside, maybe, don't know. One thing is, and it, we'll probably be getting onto this later, you can customize the ruler, um, change its layout. The layout I mentioned is the default. The other thing I found when researching this, I hadn't quite appreciated before, is that uh, a number of Linux distributions set this option for you. When you install Vim, it comes with system-wide config, which sets various things. I run Debian testing, and there's a set ruler definition I found in one of the the config files provided in the package. I, I put the path in case you're interested in the notes, but I won't read it out. I think it's a good idea to set this in your config file because it, it, you then have a config file that you could move elsewhere, possibly to a system that doesn't preset this for you. So now we've got we've got the ruler, but uh, the ruler doesn't look particularly nice. It's it's just sitting on the bottom line, and that line's also used for entering commands and things. So there's another feature which is a status line, and um, normally you're when you're running Vim in its very default mode, the whole window is available to you except the last line as we just mentioned, and uh, in there you will get messages and you'll get. Uh, that's where you put your commands. But you can open this up a bit using the command set last status. Now if you set that to equal to, set last equal, status equals to, then it will produce a f another line over the top of that command line, um, which is in inverse color. It's usually black, white on black actually, I think. So again, you can configure that, change colors, and do all, do all sorts of fancy things. The status line's got the the name of the file being edited in it, and if you've enabled the ruler, that's where the ruler will go. And that's actually quite a nice layout. That's what would be my default. And there's a, a picture in the in the notes uh, which shows what that looks like. The only thing is that um, in the original days of VI, when it was developed on um, hardware terminals which were 24 lines by 80 columns 
then taking away two lines at the bottom might have been a bad idea but today we all have enormous uh, monitors we have we can create terminals virtual terminals of any old size we like pretty much then I don't think it's a big deal the command can be abbreviated I won't go into what it is it's in the notes and you can switch it off with set space last status equals zero final uh, command that I'm going to add this time is um, the the set show mode command, which shows what mode you're in. You remember, Vim's a modal editor with many modes, some of which we've yet to look at, and uh, it doesn't tell you which mode you're in by default. Um, setting this option, show mode, will give you information about the mode you're in if you go into insert mode for example and various other modes now in my case again Debian testing has set this for me but I still like to put it in my config file I've said uh, in the notes that with show mode enabled and when you go into insert mode you get a little message at the bottom of the screen that uh, indicates you're in insert mode you can switch this off, set no show mode if you want to, and uh, you could do that temporarily during a, an editing session if you wanted to. So the final point about the config file is to point out that you can put, you can intersperse blank lines in your comment in your config file, and uh, that's often a good thing because it makes things more readable. You can and you can also group related commands together, and you can also add comments. And a comment is a, a comment character. A thing that opens a comment is is a double quote character. So a double quote is you usually put in the first column, and then you would type a comment after it. So in the notes, there's a screenshot as I mentioned before, showing, in fact, me editing the notes in Markdown format and um, it's got a, a ruler, it's got a status line and uh, I think it's the point at which I just opened the file up so there's a little message at the bottom that uh, reports the file name, its length and the number of characters so um, which is at that point somewhat longer than the maximum it's even longer now so that's it really in terms of the, the content this week um, I wanted to just mention at the end that I, I've got into the habit of putting a summary at the end of these these notes hopefully so you can go and have a quick look at uh, the uh, the commands we've covered and there's there's one there for the various movement commands we've we've looked at and there's also a list of the contents of the configuration file that I have constructed for this this particular show with all the commands we had before and the new ones with blank lines and with comments so um, I hope you'll find that that is helpful other than that I've just got links in the end there pointing to the previous two shows and I'll try and continue to do that so you can hop around between shows if you ever want to refer back to anything. But hopefully once we've got it set up as a series, you can also 
walk through the series. I'm hoping other people might like to contribute to the uh, the Vim series at some point in the future as well, which would be nice. So that's the end of it. That's all from me. Speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.